Hey listeners, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to introduce you to a brand that's all about good health and great taste. It's time to level up your beverage game with HealthAid Kombucha. HealthAid isn't just any drink. It's a wellness powerhouse packed with probiotics, antioxidants, and organic goodness. With a wide range of mouth-watering flavors, you're in for a treat with every sip. From classic flavors like cayenne cleanse and ginger lemon to the bold and adventurous pink lady apple and berry lemonade, there's something for everyone. But here's the real magic. Health Aid Kombucha is more than just a tasty beverage. It's a drink that loves your gut. It's raw, vegan, gluten-free, and never contains artificial anything. So if you're looking to boost your digestive health, support your immune system, and enjoy delicious, guilt-free refreshment, Health Aid Kombucha is your go-to choice. Ready to make your change for the better? Head over to healthaid.com and use promo code TMB for an exclusive discount on your first order. That's healthaid.com with promo code TMB. Cheers to a healthier you, and thanks to Health Aid Kombucha. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're going to be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're going to hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener. Like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. All right, this week, I'm here with Bradley Gifford. Bradley has taken a cuisine that has really standed the test of time. Uh, I think even cavemen were eating oatmeal. But now we're in 2024, and when you think that a food like oatmeal cannot be revolutionized, Bradley has done it. Spoonful. Wow, that's, the, that's quite the intro. I mean, it's, it's facts. Spoonful is that. filled with probiotics. Protein, superfoods, probiotic. It's organic, gluten, dairy-free. 14 grams of protein in how many ounces is this? Six ounces. So six ounces, 14 grams of protein per six ounces? Per six ounces. It's a lot, right? It's dense. It's dense. Now, I've had it. I've had it two, three times. I'm excited to have this mixed berry crumble flavor. What did you <sighs> what did you think of the chocolate peanut butter? Well, I told you, I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat what I said to you after I ate it the first time, and I'll say it again right now. How were you able to make it so delicious without it having so much sugar? It didn't start like that. So we had to find the right sweetener. I mean, I didn't want to use stevia, monk fruit, erythritol. Why not? It has a bad aftertaste. And I think it gives a lot of people that have stomach sensitivities. You know, we came out the gate really catering to runners, wanting to give you something that you could have very quickly in between meetings, appointments, training sessions. You could have it. 30, 45 minutes before, go rip a workout. Are you a go, runner yourself? I am. I Got am. it. Um, not just a runner, but try and be, you know, pretty movement agnostic with the way that I do things. So I'll run, training for a couple halves in the spring, do Pilates, do yoga, I'll lift weights, try and, you know, do animal flow with kettlebells, anything. You know, have, serving kind of customers in this industry, I feel like it helps a lot when you can kind of walk into any room and just, you know, rip any workout and not feel like you're, embarrassing yourself a little bit. I have to, you know, kind of hide something. I love that. So what, uh, what are you doing right now? Where is Spoonful at right now? So right now we've come quite a long way. So get it back to your first question. So we created the formula to really cater to people that had sensitive stomachs, people that, you know, have a plant forward diet and really need an easy way to get, you know, convenient protein sources. So those were our two main things. And then having to be you know, on trend with just modern CPG, gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, no gums, no glyphosates, all those things. No gums is probably as important as it gets. No gums. So finding the right milk base, that was part of it. You know, big kind of food science learning number one. We switched from almond to oat milk, much creamier, a great texture. And even just as the product sits on the shelf, because it's not pasteurized, it's not in plastic. So we aren't able to massively distribute it, but have a higher quality item. But as it sits, that flavor is still consistent. It's still on point. And using an organic sweetener, we started with maple syrup. 
and then switch to organic blue agave. And that was really where it really kind of I would love I would have loved I would love to try the the maple syrup sample. It wasn't sweet. It wasn't sweet. <laughs> oh really? It, it wasn't sweet. It didn't sell that great, but it sold well huh. enough to know that people wanted it and people liked it. But a lot of people told us, hey, this could be much sweeter. It was in a 10 ounce tin. You couldn't see inside of it. So the aesthetic appeal wasn't what it is now. And just through a lot of learnings and just collecting feedback, putting the product out there, giving it to friends, people I run into at the gym see what they think, I was able to just slowly refine the formula, find the right mix of protein, oats, flax, milk, etc. And now we have this. Two questions for you. First, why glass? Why glass canister? I, I, I assume that that's more expensive. Yeah. Why yeah. would you go that route versus plastic or tin? So the tin, I mean, immediately I wanted to use a non plastic container out the gate. That was something that just values wise as a company, we really wanted to lean into putting single use plastics out there, out there into the world, considering how sticky, you know, I always feel like this product can be, you know, I knew we would get to a point where people are eating it at least once a day, sometimes twice. So thinking about that, you know, velocity over the course of a year for even just a small city like New York with our, you know, current scale. That's a lot of single use plastic mm -hmm. going out there into the world. So being able to set up a system where if you're a subscriber, we collect your jars back, we give you a credit on your account. We have a bit of a refill system, but over time, that's something we want to expand on where if you were to buy five or 10 jars a week, we give you a big kind of container in bulk and you can refill I, your flavors as you see fit. So that's I, where we want I to take it. I didn't know that, I love that. That's where we want to take it. So starting with the pa packaging that supports that is, is a big thing for us. Can you explain to me why gums are so bad? Oof. Um, just digestion. Okay. Yeah, your digestive tract. It doesn't have any nutritional benefit. And what it's are a, gums? So guar gum, gel and gum, they're preservatives that are added into milk to make them shelf stable. So when you walk into a grocery store, a lot of the milks that you see, they are in the fridge, but they can just be sitting out on the shelf. And some brands do just have them, you know, distributed widely throughout the store without, you know, any cooling because you can take up more space in the store. You can sell more product. That's one of the big limiting factors for us is we need to be kept cool all the time, which is very expensive supply chain wise, yeah. but then also kind of limits our ability to put the product just anywhere and see what happens. You know, we have to grow slower and figure out who's actually going to buy it. So we're essentially only selling in stores where we can guarantee sales. So it's great because we actually make our profit. We make about 45% gross margin right now, which is really solid for early it's really stage solid brand. for an early stage yeah, CPG for, brand for an early stage company, about 45% gross profit. Our average velocity is about 14 and a half units per week per store. And then that's retail. And then on the food service side, thanks to being on fresh direct, we're launching back on farm to people. We're in Soho house. We're sold in the Brooklyn Nets offices. We move about 67 units a week there. Yeah. yeah God yeah, bless. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I would assume that as people become more aware, with you know the the negative effects of gums and other preservatives that a product like yours will only become more and more prevalent you just have to try it right now i mean it's been a long road but thankfully the product speaks for itself so yeah as more and more people try it that adoption will come amazing yeah. so take us back <laughs> take us back all right what were you doing before spoonful mm -hmm. even further back like in high school, were you an athlete? I was. So how was your diet in, in high school when you were an athlete? And give me, give me the story. Where my, did this come from? My diet was not good. So that, you know, was kind of inspiration experience, kind of number one, where my diet was not good. I grew up in downtown Brooklyn, played basketball my whole life, had high blood pressure when I was 12. I was in the doctor's office and they told me, you know, you're going to have hypertension before you're 30 if you keep on doing what you're doing. But I play basketball all day and night. Yeah. But I would pound soda and Gatorade and eat pizza and Chinese food and pretty much that was it. So I thought I could out-exercise bad habits. I got to college, I was about 265. Woo. Had hip and lower back pain that was just- What are you like 190 now? I'm about 200. Okay. Yeah. So I had hip and lower back pain that was just so gnarly I had to lay on the floor on bus rides going to and from games. So I knew I needed to do something. I knew I needed to make some changes. So that summer just really stuck to the basics. Stop drinking alcohol, stop eating processed foods, sugary drinks, 
whole lot of water, got into running, got into boxing, got into calisthenics and lost about 55 pounds. You did all that at the same time? All that at the same time. That's like going cold turkey from bad habits to healthy life. But I didn't, I didn't look at it as an extreme because I didn't, I guess because I'm young. So maybe just that exposure wasn't so long where it develops into, I guess, an addiction, right? Like we have with caffeine or something of that sort. So I wasn't, I think, thankfully, I started it at an age where I had a lot of free time to explore my palate. And I guess, you know, my my mind wasn't so conditioned to desire or crave certain things that cutting these things out, I was able to clearly and quickly see how good I felt. Right. And you're also just not having that stuff. And you're also smart enough to know that, like, everything you were consuming and everything you're doing was wrong. So it's really just like flipping a switch like that's what, bad. That's good. What could be right? was really where I started. I knew, okay, these things are bad. These things are good, but I don't know the whole world of things that are good. So let's start to explore what could be right. And that was really where me figuring out how I was affecting people. You know, my friends, my family would ask me, what do I eat? What do I drink? How should I exercise? And I kind of saw the line of who would be down to drink a kombucha versus who would say, that's not for me. Who would consider that a little too kind of on the fringe of health? And a lot of people still will like go anti-kombucha just because they're like, I don't like the taste. We, you've never had it before. Fermented things you've are tried great. tried it. For, fermented things are great for you. So we should, all, we should all have a little bit of fermented something, especially if we're not having a probiotic. But that, you know, that feedback and seeing what people were willing to try and what people weren't, I felt like, all right, there needs to be something out there that makes it very easy for people to take a bit of control over their personal wellness routine without having to compromise on convenience, taste, or health. You know, I think whether you are a high net worth individual or you're a working class person that has a shift that's 16 hours a day, we have convenience for different needs, but they can be met with the same, you know, product. Now, so was this in college when you kind of flipped the switch? Yes, so that summer, lost a bunch of weight, went back to school, just got into fitness in general. But I would say after that was really when I had the idea for how I should make a product that you know serves this need. I was working in gyms, I was working over at Dog Pound. Okay. Uh, and were, 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 you, were you doing anything culinary at the time? No, and no. So you went to Hamilton College, right? Yes, went to Hamilton, Hamilton College, uh, alumni with Ryan Serhant. Yes. <laughs> The, the house we're in. We're, we're here at the house of Sir. Thank Hand. you, Ryan. <laughs> Shout out. So you, you didn't do anything culinary in college. You not graduated. Now you are in the fitness game. You're working at one of the, if not, at the, the time it was it was pretty popping. It was it was hot at the time. Uh dog dog Yeah, still I guess still hot, but really on on the rise. It was kind of meteoric at the time. But when I started working there, we were selling bang. Red Bull, and if you have to bleep this out for you know product callouts, it's all right. But we're serving energy drinks and ready-to-drink protein shakes with a lot of gums, a lot of seed oils, a lot of thickeners, a lot of artificial ingredients that were kind of confusing to me because I felt like this is not serving the type of clientele that we have here. So through that education... Which is and- interesting because the client that would go to Dog Pound is someone who if they were to have a superior product, would be able to pay for a superior product. But meanwhile, they have these... uh, Every day, up and down the street, you know, conventional, because it's what we know, but it was surprising to me that nobody said, I know this is garbage, or I know that's not good for me. They had brands, Dog Pound being one with great marketing, they had brands that also had fantastic marketing. Yes. that's, that that's the that they did. that's the synergy I see there. That they did. That they did. And and it's an easy yes. You've seen them around. You see them here. They must be cool. They must be on point. Why wouldn't I try it? So just trying to take it a step further and see how could I add value in a marketing role and saw that food and bev was something that people were leaning into as a signifier of their values, their identity, what they believed in, in a way that you can't communicate with what you wear. So wanting to kind of lean into that and see what brands locally, you know, align with us and serve the needs of our customers. And that was the first kind of experience I had just trying a bunch of new products, kind of being a guinea pig in a way where I was trying energy drinks that would make my hair feel like it was on fire. I tried protein shakes that made my stomach do backflips, but it was great learning to see 
what was the right mix of ingredients that I didn't want to put in my product. So you had been thinking about a product or did you have a product and now you're going to change it? Like, where did this, where did this come from? And were you thinking, cause you just said what I want to put in my product. Had you been thinking about oats? Not too long after that. Okay. So it was about 2018 after coming in contact with some brands that I really, really liked and seeing them really pop off. Dirty Lemon at the time was on everybody's mind. Uh, Owen is a plant-based protein shake that's now, you know, everywhere. And Dirty Lemon was on the more expensive side, right? And was on the more premium side, but right. they had a great brand. They yep. built a great community and they did it in a way that at the time doing food and Bev through D2C wasn't really that hot. And they were doing it through SMS order, which was super cool at the time. So really saw them kind of carve out a space for themselves in a competitive market like New York and thought, all right, there's some elements here from a strategy standpoint that I understand that have nothing to do with food. And then the last brand that I saw was Liquid IV, you know, acquired by Unilever. I remember their marketing person was just dropping off boxes and nobody would touch it. And I had a half marathon that I was running out in New Mexico. So I took all the samples and put them in my bag. And that's all I drank the whole weekend and came back to New York and was like, this shit is real, is incredible. Yeah. And here they are. I'm a very big liquid IV advocate. And, and now they are where they are today. So I felt like, all right, I may not understand the unit economic side yet or how to launch and effectively position a product, but there's clear just psychological things that I understand that make a brand stand out and kind of cut through the noise. From a branding aspect or from a, an, ingre an ingredients aspect? Branding first and over the last four years, that's really where I got to learn more about ingredients, food quality. I got to learn from a couple of Michelin star chefs being their marketing person. But as a freelance consultant, that's really where I got the inspiration for it. I was running around between appointments and client meetings all day and felt like Do I had to spend sell, uh, client meetings for what? So I was a social media and brand strategist. So I left dog. Tell Pound. me more about that. So I left dog pound, left dog pound. Well, what were you doing at dog pound? running their social, running their marketing, okay. their partnerships, working alongside their PR agencies, anything related to comms, digital, you name it. So I no, was a point of contact. I know how much Dog Pound blew up while you were there. So knowing this is very fucking cool. Well, I'm very, uh, very cool. I, I like to be behind the scenes. What yeah. is, uh, what's the biggest thing that you learned from being in that environment mm -hmm. and helping Dog Pound grow? Ooh. Something that sticks with you now, six years later. Brand voice makes a hell of a difference when you wanna stand out on social. I felt like every gym at the time, Rumble was super cool. Other gyms were just as hot, but I felt like if I could take the core essence of their brand and create a personality online, how would it talk? How would it sound? What slang would it use? What emojis would it use? I really wanted to get inside the mind and humanize this experience in a way that if you're in France and you might not come to America for two summers from now, but you're making your whole visit to New York City around your visit to Dog Pound, how could I make it feel like you know exactly who you're talking to and how it's gonna feel when you get inside the gym? So I wanted to really own that voice yeah. And, and build that out online. So I didn't have any budget for content. So everything was done on iPhone. So I felt like the way to really stand out was interacting in the comments, how we sounded on DMs, the customer service, how to make that feel like you weren't talking to a robot, but a real person that cared about your visit, whether or not you came or were coming very soon. That, very made, cool. that made a world of a difference and people really appreciated it. And you did a bang up job. So you leave Dog Pound and now you're strictly doing consulting. Leave Dog Pound, go headfirst into freelance, was working for a supplement company, a Michelin star chef, a wine and spirits brand. And that's how you were fortunate to now get their ear while helping them with their business. Yes. To get advice for your future business. Yes. Tell me that more was about that. Justin Bazdarek, the head chef at Speedy Romeo, Bar Tulix, and Oshimoko out in Greenpoint did an amazing job. He didn't do it on purpose, but taught me so much about food 
systems and service and attention to detail when it comes to taste. And that's you just spending time with him and you just soaking it in. Just taking photos of him while he's operating in the kitchen. You know, it was funny, he told me something that I try and keep in my mind now to celebrate the small wins because I think it's easy to fall into this place. And he was kind of saying, hey, don't, don't, don't be like me in this way because there's a lot of great things happening. But he said, I walk in here and all I can see is everything that's wrong. They won their third straight Michelin star, like three years in a row, one that they earned through a pandemic year. And he said, I come in here before service and I try stuff and I see stuff and you know, I just notice everything that's wrong. I know it's great, but that's the way my lens is. And I wish that I could see it differently, but I just have a hard time doing that. So that was a reminder in my head all the time. I think about where I am now and how far we've come. All I think about is everything that's wrong and everything that we can improve. But, but are you celebrating small wins? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we have, we have a lot lately. January has been an amazing month. Q4 of 2023 was our best yet. We were picked on the Fresh Direct Incubator, picked to be in the Fresh Direct Incubator. What does that mean? So we, they launched a program where they identify small local producers to bring them onto their platform, launch them and give them internal support to understand everything a brand needs to do to be successful on wholesale grocery e-com. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so we launched there in September. We are one of the best-selling breakfast products in the category. We bring a pretty significant dollar share to, you know, a area, I guess, of their site that was only dominated by one other brand. Which that, is? Which is Mush. Okay. They're, they're the other overnight oats brand, I guess you could say, the other ready-to-eat brand. And they also do a very good job with sponsorship in the fitness community. They do, they do, I think. I think, I don't really know what their why is or who their target person is. I know you have a luxury of appealing to anybody when you sell in Whole Foods nationwide. So I have to go an inch wide and a mile deep on runners love our stuff. Creatives like yourself with a need for convenience that want to control their wellness, yep. love our stuff. Those are our communities. That's who we serve. We do it through great partnerships, building you know great relationships in our backyard selling in specialty stores and maxing out velocity there and growing much more patiently. We have a shorter shelf life because we're not in plastic. Again, that's one of the challenges, but we're able to dial in on integrity and we sell at a higher price point, but we're thankful enough to know that people are willing to pay for it. So it, it's paying off. Where'd the name Spoonful come from? <laughs> and like, was it originally Spoonful? Yes. Or, or did you like have like a cease and desist from a previous name? <laughs> So I thought of the name Spoonful before I actually thought of the product the day after I left Dog Pound. I didn't know that it was going to be. Do you remember what you were doing? Yeah. Can't say it on camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was up late just thinking about, okay, it's oatmeal. I knew it was going to be oatmeal. I knew it was going to be overnight oats. But I didn't you know, know the name. And I felt like Spoonful fit because... It was, I wanted to highlight the spoonful of indulgence that I feel like I was adding into something that people would consider healthy and boring and tasteless. When I, I interviewed people, I interviewed five different, five or six different people from every persona group that I thought would be interested in the product and got their feedback on how they felt about breakfast, how they felt about oatmeal, how much they worked out, what types of workouts they did, yeah. what they wanted to add more into their wellness routines. And they all felt like oatmeal's great. I make overnight oats myself, but I can't figure out how to make it taste good, especially when I put protein in it. And it just takes too much effort to keep it exciting. So I felt like the spoonful was gonna be the thing to keep people around and keep people interested. I just thought of a really good idea for an activation. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll remember to tell you after the, when we stop recording. I'll write this down. A really good idea for an activation. Write that down. Uh, we'll circle back on that. Yeah. So you come up with the name Spoonful. You're now doing all this consulting work. You're literally a sponge where you're just soaking in knowledge, soaking in knowledge. When did you actually get it to the next step? When did you get to the, the production facility? Mm -hmm. How did you find a product? Let's rewind. how did you find a production facility? Because I've interviewed CPG companies yeah. who have like 
been to hell and back trying to find a good facility. Yeah. Did you have the same hell and back situation? I went through some hell, but I got very lucky along the way. There you go. Um, well, you create your own luck. I guess in a way, right? So the the story of how I found my facilities is an interesting one. I'm a sponge for about two years. I come up with the name for Spoonful, but I know that there's still more I need to know about how do I put this out there? How do I build this brand identity? Where do I sell it? How do I launch it? So I spent the next two years being a sponge to everything I needed to know from a marketing and brand standpoint to effectively launch and position a product like this. It's interesting you're saying that because that's already your expertise before you even got into culinary. Marketing and branding was your specialty, but now you're taking that and trying to learn even more because now it's with a food brand that you've created. So now you're trying to take what you already know and now learning more I had along to the way. I this had is... to expand on it. I had to expand on it. And I knew what I didn't know. I didn't know what I needed to know, but I knew everything I didn't know. So I wanted to cover that first. Then after I felt like I covered that, I reached out to a friend of mine. Shout out Sasha Pendal. She's a coach at Barry's Boot Camp. So anybody that wants to get a good run in, go, go check out Sasha. Visit her at NoHo. Sasha's got a great class. Amazing class. And she's also a Nike run coach. She hosts runs out of the Williamsburg store. So, oh, good to know. So if you ever want to pull up and get a 5K in, you can see her there as well. But again, serving runners, I work with a runner to make the product. So I spent a summer in her apartment, me, her, and her boyfriend, Thomas. We bought different sweeteners. We bought monk fruit. We bought stevia. We bought maple syrup. We bought honey. We bought a bunch of different protein powders Dates? and milks. No dates, actually. No dates. I found date syrup afterwards. Very expensive. Really good. Very expensive. Um, and we spent a summer messing with the formula. Was still freelancing at the time. Once we got the formula right, I reached out to a friend of mine who was the head of nutrition for a cafe not too far from here called Dr. Smooth. Mm -hmm. They were growing pretty rapidly. I met them at Dog Pound. Did a partnership with them. So we had a really great relationship. They were growing pretty rapidly around the city, but I knew that they had a manufacturing setup that was meant to support 20 cafes, not the 10 that they had. So I always thought when I went to their facility, I always thought, man, when I when I have the oats going, I'm going to circle back and see if yeah. I can rent some time in here. So I did. They told me no. But he said, I did know. He, did he give you a reason, though? Said we were not we're not operating as a commissary space. I didn't even know what that meant yeah. at the time. He said, we're not a commissary. This is. But after you Googled it, you're like, oh, all right, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I appreciate it. But it wasn't just a flat no. He said, you can't use our space, but I know someone who can help you out. He introduced me to a gentleman who had run operations for Sabra, the hummus company, from day one of their launch till I think about year five or year six. <laughs> I thought this was a really interesting guy to speak with because. How many years ago was it where nobody knew what hummus was? I felt like even though oatmeal is something yeah. that we all know, well, there's no clear place in a grocery store for it. For for oatmeal. Right. Hummus was fairly, you know, obscure, but now it's Well, I guess just me just I guess just as a Jew like cuz it, it's it's been predominantly like Middle Eastern and Jew uh or fairly Jew, specialty so fairly right. specialty Ex and niche. Exactly. Not like package dozen different flavors taking it out of specialty and making yeah. it something that is ultra and conventional is the one who did it Sabra is the one who did it yeah so i thought wow this is somebody not only from an op standpoint that i could talk to but just mind share wise what are some things i need to know to take something that is going to start as a fairly specialty thing and take it to a place where it's widely adopted but at the same time they maintain their integrity as a brand. They're still seen as premium and a high quality product, but they're sold everywhere. You walk into a bodega, yep. Sabra sold there, but you don't think it's cheap. You don't think it's, you know, low brow. So that's slow growth. And what is that plan that supports that? So I spoke to this guy. He introduced me to a gentleman who is now my head of production and my acting COO. So that man, Donaldo was his name. He introduced me to a guy named Joe. Joe was managing and co-running a restaurant out in Greenpoint. It was an upscale Jewish 
uh, bakery and deli and eatery called Edith's, still in business today. I was renting time in the back of Edith's kitchen, testing the recipe that I had made with Sasha that summer in batches of 100, 200. He told me, look, it's a whole different game when you make product for your friends in a dinner party of 20. But if you wanna make it for 200 people the exact same way, that's not, that's not being a chef, that's being a scientist. Yep. We need to dial this in oh, down wow. to a science. So I'd spent that summer working on food science. And from there, we got the product down. I rented space in a kitchen in the Lower East Side. And from there, very recklessly actually, <laughs> but from there started making a bunch of product and bringing it around the city and having people try it and see who would want to buy it. Now give me, we're trying to go chronologically. Tell me what year is this? 20... This is the summer of... 2021 okay summer 2021 and when you said making a hundred you mean a hundred pounds or a hundred a hundred units a hundred jars a hundred units the aluminum container yep very short shelf life very expensive to make so there were a lot of things about the unit economics of the product that were not set up right that i did not know i needed to have a grip on before doing this i learned very quickly though (laughs) but thankfully we had some stores that liked the product they wanted to buy it and they wanted to buy a lot of it. And we quickly started to see there were some places in downtown Brooklyn and lower Manhattan and out in the Hamptons that were selling through it pretty quickly. And it went from 150 units a week to 350 to 500 to 700. And it got to a point where I had no refrigerated supply chain. So I was sending 300 jars of an aluminum packed oatmeal product with fresh fruit out to the Hamptons to sit in a hot car for three hours. (laughs) So I get a phone call one day from a guy who runs this deli saying, I have black, I have black ooze coming out of all the jars you sent me. And I have no idea why this is happening or what to do about it. I have nobody on my team who knows what to do. So I called Joe. And I say, what, what the hell is going on? What, what do I do? I come to find out, I reach out to some people in my network. I meet a guy who created sucralose. He was the chemical engineer that created sucralose, which is now the active ingredient in stevia, in okay. sweet and low. It's the product that we now know as a zero calorie sweetener. You had sweetener. access to the guy who created that? Yeah. Let me. Uh, I met him. Before we continue the story, <laughs> where are you spiritually? Like, are you a are you a religious guy? Um, because... I'm not hyper religious, but I'm very spiritual. Okay. I believe in the timing of everything. I believe in God's plan. I believe in the universe speaking at the right time. I believe in all that. You have. You. you, you I want to say you've hit walls, but you haven't hit walls because you've just like hit like hurdles, and each hurdle has come with someone to like kind of guide you over the next hurdle where like they were like, I can't help you, but talk to him. I can't help you, but talk to him. You didn't like, I don't hear any part of the story where you kind of were stumped down in the dust and like hands in the air. What do I do now? You always had a lifeline and it's not like, it's not like a, a privileged thing. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, a, happen, a life happenstance where you create your own luck and you have this energy that makes people want to work with you and want to help uh, you and want to see you succeed. Thank that's you. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. I think rejection is just redirection. I feel like... Say that again? Rejection is just redirection. I always tell myself when I encounter one of these types of problems... I'm not the first person who started a fresh food company before. My issues are not unique. I'm not that special. I'm special. I I believe in myself. But to think that nobody out there has the answers to this problem that I have. No, somebody knows. And somebody's been through this at a much larger scale than I have. And I think that's the blessing of the CPG industry, consumer packaged goods. I came from a marketing and advertising kind of you know, environment where it's hyper competitive and super cutthroat. Food is the exact opposite. We're all struggling. We're all trying to be the next big thing to be sold or acquired or raise X amount 
So we're all trying to get to the mountaintop and we all want to see each other win. So I think it's a huge blessing to be in a market like New York where there's so many creatives and founders and people who want to do things, mm -hmm. but people that are willing to help because ultimately, if you over here succeed, you're growing the pie so that ultimately you can hold the door open so I can walk through. And I'm going to do the same for the next founder and the next one and the next one. So I believe in that. And I think it's a great thing that other founders in, especially in the emerging part of the CPG space, seem to be, you know, big believers in that as well. Amen. Yeah. So I met the guy from Tate and Lyle was the name of the company that, you know, created Sucralose that turned into Stevie and whatnot. He told me I had a sweetener problem. He told me I had a sugar problem, basically. He said, oh, you're basically cooking the oats. You're fermenting the oats. When that sugar in your fruit mixes with the sugar in your maple syrup and it gets hot, you're basically fermenting it, which is causing all of that to come together. Did this happen when you did it in large batches? So yes. that's when it became that's not being a chef, becoming a scientist. Becoming a scientist. And that is when you... And I guess that's the science behind it. That's the science. That's when I really started to appreciate how to dial it in by the, by the science because the sugar has also been something that's allowed us to have a really long shelf life without pasteurization. So again, getting back to your first question of how do I make it taste so good while not adding a lot of sugar, finding the right sugar. I wanted to find a potent sweetener that I didn't have to use a lot of to offset using an organic fruit extract that was affordable, that we could buy locally, to make something that tastes great the day after it's made and the 30th day after it's made. So he told me, you, you have a sweetener problem. You need to find something that doesn't have so much moisture, doesn't oxidize so fast, a powder that has lower moisture, and find something that is affordable and figure out the right mix so it doesn't taint the quality of your texture, but it sounds like you don't need to add anything more to it. You actually need to take things out. And I think that was also just like a big kind of learning lesson with this whole journey is I think we always think about, especially in New York and in fitness, more intensity, more output, running more miles to get to the goal that you want. But rest can be something that allows you to have a level of stillness where you can kind of reflect on what worked, what didn't, what did people respond to? Who's somebody that you need to follow up with that maybe you're forgetting because you're moving too fast? Is there any world where you have a you have a product in the future that has maybe a, um, a creatine in it or something Ooh. that to it, to just add something that will be a post workout that'll mm -hmm. help with muscle mass? I would love that. Our so our value prop for Spoonful is organic, gluten-free, high-protein, grab-and-go breakfast and snack foods. We're starting with overnight oats, but ideally, you know, depending on who our investment partners are, what chefs we align with, what products we make next, but they're going to be in the name of convenience, function, and health, and great taste. Right now, we have protein and probiotic as our extracts. Taking probiotic out and having other functional benefits that come in Absolutely, that's a part of the pipeline. I never thought of creatine, but I'll, I'll look at that. Well, just for me, because I'm that. a, I'm a so my my daily my routine my daily routine is I lift, I do some cardio, sauna, get home, and I'm taking in a lot of protein, and I'm taking my daily creatine because for me, it's muscle recovery and muscle growth yeah. is what's of utmost importance. Obviously, along with you know just eating healthy and taking care of my body. But Definitely. immediately after the workout, I do get my creatine in at least four or five days a week. For sure. So if that was in the oats, that would be uh, one, just one less cool. Thing. And like, uh, that's, that's exactly, I mean, we, you're speaking of something that I think really sets us apart from our competition that we'll have to lean into. So thank you. Add creatine to the pipeline. Because, you know, first there's flavor, we want to be the Ben and Jerry's of breakfast with the funky combinations that make you, you know, interested in something that is organic. With How many times have you said protein. that? 500, maybe more, Five, <laughs> maybe more. 500,000. 500,000 probably yeah. if you count how many times I said it in the mirror at so home say to it again. What's the line? With the Ben and Jerry's at breakfast. So funky flavor combinations get you interested in the health, but then the way that we actually deliver the health is the thing that makes you want to stay around. 
So maybe you don't want to take a bunch of supplements. You don't want to take a probiotic pill and drink a protein shake. This allows you to have all of that and do it all at once. But we do that in a way that sets us apart, sets us apart from our competition because most just add water brands that are now on the market that have a lot of protein, maybe have a big appeal in fitness. They have fake sugar. They require a bit of preparation to make that protein balance out to give it a good taste that doesn't taste like chalk. And it's really more of a supplement that's passing off as food. Mm-hmm. We're great food with supplemental benefits. Amazing. So how many, how many flavors are you working with right now? Three flavors. We have a chocolate peanut butter, cinnamon, chocolate peanut butter cup, cinnamon apple pie, and mixed berry crumble, which you have right there. And how many flavors are you working on on the back end? We have four flavors currently in the pipeline. What do you, for, what can you talk about? Matcha latte with freeze dried strawberry and whipped cream Woo! is coming in the spring as a Wait, special. Wait, is that all in one? All in one. So the <laughs> that's going to be all in one. When you said you were like the Ben and Jerry's of, of breakfast. Yeah, going for it. Going I thought for that it. was like three different flavors. No, no, no. We're going for it. So matcha latte will be the base flavor. Yeah. And then we'll use a you know healthy whipped cream. Probably going to use a dairy-free yogurt of some yeah. kind. This is fun. And then get your freeze-dried strawberry because one of the things we realized is freeze-dried fruit is great because it doesn't have moisture when you add it in at the final touch before we pack it. But over time, as it sits in the jar it gains moisture from the rest of the product. So when you open it up, it looks like fresh fruit. The science. The science. The science. <laughs> the science. It's coming back to the science again. You're you're not a chef. You're, I'm not you're, a chef. You I'm are a, a scientist. I, I, Creator, chef. Now you've reached scientist <laughs> level. It's like a video game. It's like you got to that next level with your scientists. Right. No, I, the, the journey has definitely been about unlocking a bunch of levels. But I think the common thread in all of it is I'm forever a student. I think there's so much that I can learn from people like yourself, from other great creators and business people that I'm fortunate enough to have around me. So I think the more I embrace what I don't know and ask questions, the more I'm able to add more things to that list. I mean, maybe, you know, coach or whatever might be next. But food scientist is probably one of the things you can add on to to my resume. Uh, Are you... Looking for investment? Do you have investment? What's what's that world look like for you guys? So we are raising. We're about to officially start raising on WeFunder actually at the end of February. What, um, on WeFunder? WeFunder is a crowdfunding crowdfunding platform. We're looking to raise five hundred thousand, half a million for eighteen months of runway, raising it via safe, and we're looking to expand. Use that to expand retail distribution. We'll be in about one hundred and fifty stores in the next year. We're really focusing on owning New York City. And we feel like, you know, we have the, the foundation to make a, a pretty big splash in our category. It's one that thankfully it's growing at about 7% compound annual growth rate every year. Oatmeal alone is a $3 billion category, but the coffee shop and kind of specialty food service area is one that combines to be about 60 billion. So we look at the stickiness from diverse, from diversifying our distribution and being on online grocery, being in great offices, being in hotels, being in specialty, being in airports. We're able to kind of, you know, combine our sales and our brand efforts to make something that can really stand out and stand the test of time. Amazing. What is uh what does the next three to six months look like for you guys? Ooh, so three to six months. So this month we'll be launching in a fairway. So that's pretty great. We uh we, we won a pitch contest to be in all the fairways, all the gourmet garages. You won a pitch contest. Won a pitch contest. How many were in the? I gotta ask. How many were in the contest? Sixty. Okay. Sixty. Apply to everything. That would be one of my pieces of advice to founders who just want to get out there. I mean, one of the things that I kind of learned when I launched the company was you need to find ways to de-risk yourself. Was what I had a couple of VCs kind of tell me. And awards is a great way to do that. It costs you nothing to fill out a form and submit your name. So I looked at and just thought about how many awards or accolades can we attach to this kick-ass brand to really make it something that seems valuable. I felt like I believe in it and you can feel my passion when I talk, but it means a lot more if you're a stranger and you see, well, Fresh Direct wants it, Fairway wants it. I was a semifinalist in the uh, uh, Whole Foods Local Forager contest. 
those are, I think, kind of elements that if you don't know me and you've never heard me speak, those things will make you at least say, hmm, what, what's this about over here? Yeah, you don't, you don't just get given these things. These are actual awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're real things. I mean, it's good to have good partners that will give me feedback on what I need to change about the brand, work with us, give us patience. There are definitely some trips and stumbles that we had. I mean, even just launching on Fresh Direct was a whole process within and of itself. We messed up our barcodes and actually printed the same thing on all the labels. So you had skew, every skew was the same? <laughs> every skew, every label had the same barcode. Whose oversight was that? That was mine. That was mine. That was 100% mine. It was 100% mine. Wow. And they, the- How'd the, you do that? The buy, I was working with this designer who I, I didn't check. Oh. I, sent, I sent them the barcodes. And when doing the artwork, they, they just like copy and paste it and then changed everything around the barcode. And like, they, you didn't even think. They didn't change the, I sent them all the design elements. Uh. I sent them the barcodes. They sent mock-ups just to really focus on the other elements. <laughs> and not for nothing, it's a barcode. But didn't, but I can show you a change. barcode for a VCR and it'll look just like this. You're, exactly. Yeah. So me being so emotionally caught up in the colors, the fonts, making sure everything of course. needs to be the way it is to the customer, I didn't even think about the barcode on the back. So I get a call from the buyer at Fresh Direct saying, we can only process one of these flavors <laughs> because they all have the same QR. But thankfully, again, I have great people around me. I'm freaking out. But my distributor, shout out Michigan, Gold Coast, any emerging brand in New York, if you're looking for a distro focused on specialty, I encourage you to tap in with them. They're really great people. He calls me and says, dude, it's okay. I've seen nationwide rollouts at Whole Foods do this. Oh. How reassuring was that? <laughs> <laughs> and and you can't and you can't take the product. That literally back. talked you off the ledge. But at the same time, uh, they're local. I can run up to the Bronx, or at least they can bring the product back, and I can sell it at the coffee shop, the smoothie bar, the gym, that doesn't use a barcode scanner at checkout. So I was able to quickly take that product and put it into my other channels. This was your idea or his idea? My idea. Okay. Because at first I, asked, I was like, well, are they going to throw it away? Or because he's like, we're rejecting this. So I didn't know what that really meant formally. He said, no, you can come. You can come take it. Please take it. Get yeah. it all. We can't. It's taking up space. Please take it. Space is money. Space is money. So I immediately grabbed it, put it in my other stores. We were able to recoup pretty much all of that product cool. and sell it through. So it wasn't as much of a folly, but still it wasn't the best start off the blocks with Fresh Direct but we were able to at least still realize the profit and the revenue from that inventory we had made. So it wasn't a total loss. And how great that it didn't like hinder the relationship at all. And it didn't hinder the relationship, I think. And you know, now I have a great relationship with the category manager. And I think she saw just how much I cared. You know, that really, it mattered to me. It mattered to me to do well for them. It mattered to me to have a great week because we saw that, you know, in our first week we sold 250 units to 180 new customers in the category and we're sold at those are some awesome analytics and we're sold at a at three dollars more than the biggest than the category leader so spoonful was meeting a need that a dairy-free yogurt another overnight oats brand or a you know just add water product that they sold in their site wasn't doing so seeing the demand really wanted to do right by that. And because they matched our energy, we, we I have a call with them tomorrow to figure out how am I going to promote it for a Super Bowl. Oh, wow. So they're, they're really willing to, you know, listen to my feedback and work with, work with me on what can I do to make this the best seller it can be for your customers? Because I'm focused on owning New York City and that's where they service. So it's a great partnership as well. It's an amazing partnership. It's an amazing partnership. And they're <laughs> it's an amazing partnership. It's an amazing partnership. And that's really helped us. I mean, it's not it's not a grocery store. It's not a conventional. It's not a place you can walk in. So there's some friction there, but it still allows us to prove our concept. We make our margins. And I think, you know, they sell it at actually probably the highest price point of all our retail touch points, even more than we do on our website for people buy it. Right. And, but, and working with them leads you to then have to hone in on your 
previous expertise on brand building, brand partnership, Definitely. brand awareness Definitely. while growing you with them and them with you. Definitely. Definitely. They actually, I looked at, you know, how can I, how can I function as a great marketer for all of my retail partners? That's kind of where my mind has gone growing into this year. Individually. Individually. Almost looking at Spoonful as an agency of sorts. And we produce kick-ass content for anybody that supports our brand, whether it's with video, activations, bringing our run crews, bringing other people in our community, influencers to create content for the space and feature our product, any or all of it. And doing that for Fresh Direct, I maybe had, and thank you, Grayson, one of ours. So we have an in-house photo and video team. I gave two creators that are very good friend of mine a small portion of ownership in the company to instead to avoid running around and having to pay somebody every time I want to shoot. They love the product, they believe in the vision and they want to support. So I had them, I paid them to create a few assets to promote us being on Fresh Direct and Fresh Direct grabbed it and they reshared it. So not only the press that they had around the incubator program, but then just the earned media that they were sharing around because I went out and made a video piece and they thought it was so great. So they put it on their newsletter, their Instagram, and that supported our rollout. But I think that that's the- It's a lot of eyeballs. It's a lot of eyeballs. But I think that's the enthusiasm that we like from people that sell the product because we feel like instead of trying to get you to put it in the right place in the store and just to convince you to care, we'd rather have people that see what we're doing and know where we can kind of fit into their marketing plan and you know bring more value for them. I want to circle back on you said you were going to be putting it on uh, what, what was the website we'll be so we're on fresh direct we'll be in fairway no for investment oh we funder yes, WeFunder. yes so the what's, raise, crowd, the what's the other website crowdfunding crowdfunding so, so so crowdfunding is something that companies that have a hard time raising usually do because they might be early the product might not be in market and we can get into why i'm doing that but we're on a we're going to be launching through a crowdfunding platform to make it very easy for people that want access to invest in, you know, brands like Spoonful with our market with our growth potential. What do they get for investing? Cuz I know on crowdfunder it's like, uh, you know, invest $100, get a tote bag and what what are you guys offering? So if you invest early, you get a discount on the equity that you can buy later. But you really <laughs> actually haven't thought about this. Um, but if you invest early, I mean, you really get access into obviously buying the product and having it, but you get a seat at the table to help us grow our brand. We're so focused on owning New York city that when you invest early, the more you invest, you really just get more access to me to have more input on how are we building this community? How are we positioning the product? Because we clearly want to grow in a certain way. So. If you want to grow the pie with us, ideally, it's not just you wanting to realize your investment at a later date, but it's you wanting to help put this in the right places and in front of the people that you know will have, you know, real appreciation and find value in it the way people have so far. Something, so something that would be cool. Um, I don't know if this would even take off, but you have so many valuable people in your inner circle that if something that you would offer, which is of high value, mm -hmm. hey, if you invest X amount in our business, you'll get an hour one-on-one -on -one with, Bob, fill in somebody within your circle, um, Joe. So for $250 investment, you're gonna get wow. X amount, you're gonna get a 50% really cool. discount and a one-on-one -on -one Zoom with Joe. That's and then really you cool. could fill in the blank, someone else, you get a one-on-one -on -one really cool. Zoom and giving people immediate access because a lot of people that are going to invest in the company, like, yeah, they might love oats, but they might also, or not might, they definitely also, what they love is the story, the product, the future, but more so wow. you and what you've built and the circle around you. So giving access to your inner circle for X amount of dollars. I mean, a one-on-one -on -one, -on -one with Joe is probably priceless. And I've... Like I said earlier, I mean, leaving the door open behind me, I love to make introductions to Joe. Because, I mean, Joe's helped me avoid a lot of things that I think founders typically run into. And 
small brands in my position make certain mistakes that actually run them out of business. So a one-on-one -on -one with Joe for, let's throw $250 is, that's a deal. That's a deal. Definitely. But it's a matter of Joe being okay with giving his time. But at the end of the day, I'm sure Joe has some ownership in the business. So this would probably be uh, beneficial to Joe regardless. And Very it's also, true. I'm sure he's got the same sentiment that you do with helping entrepreneurs and anyone who would be doing an investment like that, who would want the one-on-one -on -one, is likely an entrepreneur, whether it's in the CPG category or in something else, but something where someone can get high value from talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. That's a great idea. Thank Amen. you. You just gave my, I, I got to call some people. Yes. No, there's a whole, because now you're making me think, you know, I can, my whole network or not all of it, but there's some really awesome people that believe in the brand that would. The name of the Rays is the Spoonful Inner, inner Circle. I like that. I, that's a working title, working. but it's the, it's the Spoonful Inner Cycle. And it's the tagline is, we're going to put a silver spoon in your mouth. Hey, something along those lines. Thank you. Something along Thank those you. lines. Thank you. I like that. I like that. So question for you. If people, if people wanted an interview or people wanted a meeting with you to talk about real estate fundamentals, you're a part of the Spoonful Network, a 30 minute intro call with you to talk about how to start. Would you do that? Absolutely. We're on to something. 1,000%. We're, we're on to something. But I will tell you this. We're on to something. Um, because I've been a real estate broker for nearly 15 years, um, it comes off as though my expertise is real estate, which it is. Like, it is. I'm expanding my business down to Miami this month. Congrats. Thank you. Um, my numbers have grown exponentially year over year. For the last few years, coming to Sirhan, it's grown even more in the last year. Beautiful. It's very cool. But I love just growing small businesses. I love guiding young entrepreneurs and helping them not get out of their own way, but kind of like steering them in the right direction. Hmm. Like a, like just giving them advice that do not do Instagram and Facebook ads when you don't know what you're doing. You're just throwing money out, throwing money out the window. Here's how to better use your money, your time, because those are the two of the most important things. Okay. And here's how to make people want to spend time with you. Because if you are the type of person that people want to be around, just like with you and the entire story you just told, when people want to spend time with you and be around you, they want to help you. And they want other people that they know to be around you. If people didn't like you, they wouldn't tell you, I, I'm not for you, but talk to my friend here. It's because they want to push you onto somebody because they know that your energy is infectious and they want you to talk to them because, yes, they could help you, but maybe a, a little bit in the back, you could help their friend too whether it's just bringing positive energy or actually like helping them physically or monetarily, but your energy is still help. I appreciate that. I That's mean, true. and I believe in especially growing the business locally because at the end of the day, it's still relationships selling into a small coffee shop or a grocery store that only has one location in the neighborhood. That's a mom and pop thing. That's a, I'm texting the owner to check on things. That's very much an exchange. It's an exchange of energy before anything else. And I truly believe that. As long as you don't let any of that fall to the wayside. No, never. One of the things I learned too that I didn't start by doing to try and lean into it more is if you get a gift box from me, should I look into this camera or this camera? But if you get a gift box from me, you get a handwritten note every time. Written by you. Written by me. Handwritten, every I could write the handwritten note. But you're saying the handwritten note from you. You get a handwritten note from me. It wasn't something I did when I first started. And I'll never forget. I saw uh, David Greeny at Dream Pops told me never underestimate the value of a well created care package, well assembled and a handwritten note. It'll take you much farther than you think. Amen. And on the same sentiment of learning and learning more importantly from like successful people what uh what are you reading right now Ooh, i am reading the alchemist hey i haven't it's my first time um 
What's the new Rick Rubin book? Um, uh, white Black Circle. White Black Circle. The, uh, it might Rick be the, Rubin book. It it's might not, be it's, it's, it might be the creative act, but I don't want to. It is the creative act. Okay, I don't want to butcher the title, yeah. but I'm reading the creative act by Rick Rubin. And lastly, I'm reading Radical Candor. What do you mean you're reading all three of these books? First off, I'm, I mean, I don't, I'm not doing a 75 hard where I read my pages every day, uh-huh. but I think my, my girlfriend told me it's important. She, she thinks I, well, she knows she's right. I should read more nonfiction, which is why I'm reading The Alchemist. You mean fiction? Read more fiction. Excuse fiction, me. Yes, yeah. I should read more fiction. Alchemist was the first fiction yes. book I read. Yeah. Like I, I mean, listen, we were given fiction books as kids. I didn't read middle school, high school, whatever it was. But yeah, we had the books. I think uh, Number of the Stars was actually a book in middle school that I read uh, about, I think I think it was about World War, sometime, something in World War II. Um, but The Alchemist, I read like two months ago. And it was after that, I've now read two fiction books since. I'm on my fourth. And The Alchemist really was something that I had... Like three people recommended to me within mm-hmm. two days. Uh, one being Rob, who recommended it to me. And then an hour later, we were shooting a podcast and he recommended The Alchemist. And I was like, all right, now I got to read it. So I'll, I'll report back. But I have a question for yeah. you. How has reading fiction impacted you and just the way you think? So for me, it's great as just like a disconnect. It's been great as a disconnect to be listening to a story and to not have to like be trying to think of how I'm learning from this because I'm being taught something. When I'm reading fiction, when I'm reading nonfiction, like each chapter, it's like this, this chapter is to teach you this. So you're processing it in a way where like you want to learn from it. Whereas fiction, you're able to just go through the story. And now with the alchemist, like my issue with the alchemist is that everybody told and you're, me you're you're educating me right now. I, ev- I just thought, I got just opened it yesterday. So it's fantastic. My issue with the alchemist was that I was trying to pull lessons out of it mm-hmm. rather than just enjoy it for what it is a story. It's a great story. It's a great book, and just read it and get through it. And I don't mean get through it like like oh just get through it. Like what I mean is just disconnect and read the story. And at the end, think about what just happened okay. and think about the life lessons. And every most fiction books have like life lessons. But I, and especially because it was my first fiction book, I was looking for the life lessons while I was reading, mm. which kind of hindered me being able to just like fully disconnect. Which is all I do while I read nonfiction is right. look at the real world yeah. tie back. Yeah, which... So it was great. And then like, I think I finished it later that day. I picked up tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow, which is also fantastic. Um, but you say you read three books. Do you do them one audible, one paperback or all? They're all paperback. And I just, when I find time. Yeah. I don't, I, wow. I, yeah, it's not, I don't. So I do, two book, I do two books at a time. I do one paperback and one audible. Okay. And like, if I finish the audible, I'll start a new audible. I don't wait till the paperback to be done. But like I'm always doing one of each, which is great. I mean, I'm at the gym. I'm lifting, listening to a book. That's great. I should probably I should do more of that. I, there's something about the feeling, the pages, of course, and holding the book but that I really there, enjoy. But then there's the time. That to me, that's a part of the experience because I feel like I don't always have a lot of time to read, which is not a good thing because I definitely you always have time. You're you always have time, but. When I am reading, because I physically am going from being distracted or doing some sort of work-related thing to I am switching the task and physically going into a place where I'm now in still reading mode. So I'm no longer trying to think about a bunch of other things, but I have to focus on the words on the page. Well, that's why for me, like my paperback reading is right when I wake up. I sleep with my phone in another room. I don't look at like my phone. I don't even pick up my phone yet. Just whether it's four pages or 25 pages uh, before I look at my phone or do anything in the morning, fill up my water, go refill my water, sit down and read, pay, read a few pages. 
before before anything else has entered my brain. See, I have to touch my phone because it's what I use to guide my meditations. But before I do anything, I meditate. I just if you can do that and not go to emailing, text, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah. or social, and just go to the meditation, that's fine. Oh yeah, but it's yeah, the yeah. it's the grabbing of the phone right in, and going right to like connecting with the outside world. That's where it becomes. Uh, now you've let people into your life, and that's where I mean, to me, not to get too woo woo, but that's where to me I felt like spoonful can be a really engaging concept because breakfast is so siloed and such a singular experience that I felt like how can I connect with you when you're doing something that's so deeply ritualistic so personal something that most people because of our busy lives or whatever in our routine we're doing this thing alone how can I make that a point of connection for people even if physically you are alone all of that with oatmeal all that with oatmeal that's special now give me a what's what's one book that you would recommend to anybody do you mind if i look up the title of course by robert green uh I sure i want to think if i could uh robert green um is it the daily yes yes it is okay i didn't want to daily stoic night song no, it's, it's daily laws daily laws it's daily laws by robert green Daily Laws by Robert Greene. Um, that was a book that... So one book that you would recommend to anybody yes, yes, is... Yes, yes. Daily Laws by Robert Greene. Especially if you live in a city. Because I think it grounds you in a way where there's just some things about life that you can't escape, that you can't force to bend to your will. And you have to respect them in order to get whatever you want done whether it's for yourself, a emotional accomplishment, a material one, professionally, physically, there are certain laws that you have to respect or follow in a certain way, or the universe will resist in a certain way. And that's just something that there's a level of acceptance. And I think being somebody that as an entrepreneur, you think you can pluck an idea out of your head and make it reality and people like it, you almost maybe can develop this ego in a way that isn't good or doesn't actually serve you. But the daily laws is a great reminder of what are the unspoken dynamics that are at play as you try and navigate this thing that you're doing, because they're real, they're real, they exist, whether you like them or not, you don't have to follow them, but you should at least know that they exist. So when you're breaking them, you're, you know, you're breaking them. Amen. And now before I let you go, mm -hmm. Give me one word for anyone trying to make it. One word. Stillness. Because you will think that you need to do everything outside of that to get something done. I would say stillness is where you can find the answers to a lot of your most you know, pressing challenges, where you can find peace at the end of your most chaotic and toughest days. I think stillness is where you'll find a lot of your answers for I was being still when I came up with the name Spoonful. I was being still when I realized how we needed to change the formula and change the packaging and the labels. When I thought about how to visualize the product that's in front of you today, I think the stillness will be the thing that allows you to find peace amidst the chaos and find answers to a lot of things internally before you try and, you know, impose your will externally. Don't forget your oats. Bradley Gifford, Spoonful. <laughs> so good. <laughs> My dude. Yo, thank you for having thank me. Thank you. Appreciate it.